This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. Matt, the OTAs are uh, underway over at the uh, UPMC Rooney Sports yeah. Complex. Uh, we got to talk to uh, Cam Hayward yesterday, a couple of other guys today. Uh, pretty good uh, pretty number. Good turnout of, and pretty good turnout. environment and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was some question as to how that would all uh, play out, uh, given everything that's happening with the CBA and then the union saying, hey, we, you know, we want some concessions here. Yeah, with, right, right, um, right. You know, we're worried about COVID and things of that nature. And, Are they and, really worried about COVID, though? Well, yeah. yeah. yeah it might be a likely excuse type of thing. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, and that's one of the things, uh, again, had the opportunity to talk to Cam Hayward. He's the Steelers NFL uh, PA rep. Uh, talked to him on Tuesday. Did he take that over from Ramon? Yes. I should know yeah. that, but okay, I assume. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, he was at the forefront of uh, kind of – negotiating the way things went here for the Steelers get you know whether or not they would be on the field if you remember about a sure. month ago there was they put out a statement that the Steelers wouldn't be participating well that that was obviously <laughs> not the case right? that was obviously right. smoothed out mm-hmm. um, and so uh, had a talk, chance to talk to Cam Hayward about that on Tuesday here's what Cam had to say hey, Cam, can you hear me can you hear me yeah yeah I can hear you <clears throat> Yeah, um, you know, I guess last month you guys put out a statement that the Steelers weren't going to participate. Now, you know, that's obviously changed. What do you mean that? Uh, you know, a uh, multitude of things. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was ever, uh, you know, I think when we first came out with the statement, um, if we had stayed under the old rules and, um, you know, not having that cooperation with both the organization and the players, uh, we couldn't have got it done. But um, a month later, uh, we were able to, you know, iron out some things uh, and put both the players at uh, player sanity at a, you know, at a low. And, you know, um, players were still given the opportunity to understand that was mandatory. I mean, and, you know, I mean, not mandatory, but uh, not it was voluntary, voluntary. But, uh, you know, uh, this is an ever growing process. You know, I, I don't think you ever just, you know, play it feet down and say, we're not going to do this. You know, we were able to work through stuff. Um, and I appreciate everybody for working with us. Yeah, Lolly, DK. Yeah, Cam, I was just wondering if, if you got any concessions or if you talked to anybody with the Steelers to get any concessions or, or anything like that, that uh, about what you guys would or would not be asked to do. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, we had our leadership uh, council um, talk to our, our, our higher ups and you know, Coach T, Mr. Rooney, um, Kevin Colbert. And we just talked about, you know, whether it was the safety of, you know, trying to have guys um, who are flying across country um, get two negatives to even start the process. That was one thing that <clears throat> was completely abolished, um, especially when not everybody's vaccinated. Um, you know, we understood that um, things have changed and, you know, now we're playing a 17th game, 17th game and our main thing was, let's not beat our bodies up. Let's approach this the right way where we have um, a ramp up period in that guys are learning and guys are taking advantage of this time. Um, and I wanted to make sure um, we never ostracized the guys that went in. Um, we had a lot of guys 
that loved being in. And, you know, we had to show this front that we didn't want to, you know, jeopardize that. Um, and I think we did a great job of just being open and honest with, um, you know, everybody and making sure we didn't have a lot of contact. Um, you know, right now, I don't think context that big, you know, minicamp's a different thing, but OTAs, I think it's a big time for learning. Um, and a lot of young guys tend to improve in this time, whether it's first year or second year guys. So this time is really about getting those guys up to speed and, you know, teaching these guys. Um, Coach T's main thing was, I want to see guys how, how well they're conditioned. Um, and doing that, uh, we've been able to run, we've been able to coach, listen, learn and when you have that those right ingredients now i think it's going to benefit us <clears throat> richie walsh kdk <clears throat> kim I, I know it's a fine line here but were you happy with the participation and is this like the first time it maybe feels normal out there for you guys yeah i'm happy with participation you know happy whoever shows up you know it doesn't really matter who shows up um you know if, if we're going to be here um we're going to take advantage of this time um, and, you know, it's going to change constantly. You know, I, I think uh, I said it before, you just can't plant your feet and say, this is just going to happen this way. Um, we, we learned from last year that you had to be very, um, you had to be able to adapt to different situations. But, um, you know, we'll keep going. You know, it, guys are going to come in and out. And um, this is a voluntary period. I don't think we've ever judged guys off of attending a voluntary period. So, you know, when we get to minicamp, I think we'll have full 100% participation, but I don't really worry about that. Kurt <clears throat> Pryor, ESPN. Yeah, Kim, kind of along those lines, it seemed like there were some position groups that had a fewer number of guys than others. Are those position groups, especially if, you know, they're on the offensive side and they're learning new concepts with the new offense, are they at a disadvantage for not being here? Or are those some of the guys that you would anticipate to kind of come in and out throughout this? You know, if they weren't here, it doesn't really matter. I think we, we've, you know, had guys in before this time. So, you know, we just haven't been able to really publicize it. But, you know, guys have been coming in. And, you know, wherever they're working, they're getting great, good work. We never have to worry about that with our guys. We've, uh, you know, I think our level of communication has improved during the pandemic where, you know, you don't just depend on a facility to provide everything you need. And that's huge for us now. Um, I can tell you, Shoot, last year, I didn't know how to set up a workout by myself, but you know, you get really good at it and you get used to a, a, um, a familiarity to it. You know, you're able to do it by yourself. And guys are, you know, working out together, working on things, whether it's, you know, O-linemen, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, um, organizing things. Um, and I think we're having that communication outside the building is going to be huge for us down the road. Mark Cavalli, the athletic. Hey, Cam, uh, change gears a little bit. I know last week you were pretty vocal defending your quarterback then. Um, why did you feel the need? I'm assuming you heard all the offseason chatter about him and uh, how people don't think he's going to be any good this year. Why did you feel the need to come to his defense? And how do you look out there today? Man, I, I think we just, we're just blowing it out of proportion. Dude went 11-0 to start the season. How many other quarterbacks did that? And, you know, I think we, we, we can sit up here and talk about, you know, we lost the game last year. Um, you know, we lost to the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so be it. We fell off at the end. We've still made the playoffs. But I'm not here to, you know, say my quarterback's not able to do it. I've seen this guy win Super Bowls on TV. I've seen him day in and day out compete. 
and you know, you just get frustrated because, you know, I know Ben puts in work and I know how much he cares about this team. Um, if he didn't want to do it and he didn't, you know, if he, if he was just here for the money, that's one thing. And I don't think we would ever have to worry about that. But when he steps in this building, he's 100% dedicated to this. So when I hear the bad mouthing about him being, you know, um, a not great quarterbacks and then everybody's ready to elevate other, other quarterbacks, I'm like, what have they done? You know, this guy is a, a proven winner, but yet we're ready to discount him. All I was saying was, you know, I think having a greater balance is going to make him that more dangerous. You know, you, you bring in guys, and I know our offensive line is in flux, but, you know, they're going to be better because they're learning a different system. Um, we bring in another running back. We bring in, you know, our receivers are a year older. Um, bring in another tight end. All these different things I think can help Ben. And, you know, I'm excited for him. You know, as a defense, when the offense can stay on the field, that lets us know that we're okay. <laughs> when the offense isn't on the field and we're on the field, that means we got we to gotta kick butt. But when the offense is on the field, we can totally get after it. Jerry Dulac, Post Gazette. Uh, hello, Cam. Uh, was it important What's up? for? Uh, I'm well. Was it important for you and Ben to be here on the first day? And what was the message, if any, that you delivered to your veteran players about OTAs and, and attending? I don't know if it's you know I don't put a lot of stock into this. I think you know we can benefit from it, but if a guy's not here and, and you know chooses to go elsewhere, that's not a big deal to me. Um, you know, the guys that aren't here are usually veterans who have been in the system. But, you know, for me and Ben, it's like we like tried to um, we try to cultivate relationships right now. We try to learn different guys or new, new positions. Um, and that just comes with time. You know, I think um, there can, there's growth that can happen um, for a younger guy to, you know, talking to older guys and the younger guys like to emulate older guys during this time. But, you know, um, Going forward, I, I, I tell my guys, you know, this is voluntary. I'm not really, you know, I know everybody's working, which puts me at an ease, but I'm not going to put all my eggs in a basket for, you know, a voluntary period. This is the time to learn and, you know, the virtual meetings are what, and then you have your field work. But every guy in this, this building and outside this building, I know is putting their, their best foot forward. You know, the conversations I have, um, you know, guys can get good work, good work wherever they go. It's just about where they feel like they need to be. Alan Saunders, Pittsburgh Sports Now. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but how, how much did the, the 17th game, how much does that kind of change uh, the, the math for you about how and how much and how often you want to exert yourself and, and go through contact in the off season. And I, I think it was just an overdue thing that needed to be changed. Um, and when you talk about our off season um, work, you know, 17th games is, you know, it's funny. We get a second 17th game and they say they shorten our preseason, but then we have the hall of fame game. So uh, it's not really like we're shortening anything for us. You know, we just gain an extra game, but um, you know, we, we just have to be smart, um, you know, whether it's reps now and, you know, during team game, you just want to, you know, it's a war of attrition already. Let, let's add a little bit more bang to it. So, you know, those hits on the body, I was talking to a coach out there, you know, usually this first day, there's already a separated shoulder or, you know, a torn hamstring, but um, that's always been the nature of the game. But that doesn't prevent you from growing and 
adapt in this game to make sure everybody stays healthy and is ready for week one. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Hey, Cam, you mentioned the message or that you wanted to cultivate relationships. There are a lot of new players here, obviously a lot of rookies. What's your message to them about your expectations? You know, I don't, I don't know how much expectations you go into this time. I think you really start to narrow it down when you get the you know training camp. But um, I think mini camp, you see what guys look like going full speed. But training camp, you say, you know, what can this guy do for this team now? Um, and, you know, I don't like the there's so much time that can be put into this that if you if you rush it and think, oh, I got to be the perfect player right now you're not really gonna um, learn too much. And I think learning is the main thing for young guys. Um, I was not fortunate enough to have a, 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 a mini camp in um, you know, the OTAs my first year because we were the lockout. And you know, my th main thing was wherever I went, I was, you know, be a sponge, be open to learning. Um, you know, you're in a different situation. Where you've only, where you might have only played 13 games in a season. Now you're going to play 17 in the regular season, um, and then four preseason preseason games on top of that. Um, it's a it's a war of attrition. So understand how guys prepare their bodies, their minds, um, and just get used to being in the flow of NFL football. It's a it's a different space, and you just got to be willing to learn. Tim Benz, true. Cam, a couple of questions ago, you mentioned that sort of complementary football angle of how the offense could help the defense. Um, Mike talks about that a lot, too, as it relates to pass rush and coverage. You lost Bud, you lost Nelson, you lost Hilton. Um, can you talk about a little bit how that complementary football sort of aspect is a challenge this year with some of those guys gone from your defense and the options you have to replace those guys? Yeah, you know, it's always a challenge. You lose guys, great guys every year. You know, that's the nature of the game. Everybody in this league should be paid, you know, the highest amount. That's what I think, because the amount of work you put in should benefit you, what you put on the field. Um, but this creates an opportunity for guys to step in. Um, Alex Highsmith is a guy I look at, you know, his second year. He really got to play his first year, and this is the second year where we look for him to blossom. You know, a guy like Cam Sutton, who's always been our utility guy, be able to put the nickel, the slot, you know, the dime. Well, now let's see if he can play, you know, full-time corner outside. Um, you look at a guy like James Pierre stepping in. Um, you know, these are guys that were, you know, depth pieces last year that now we get to elevate to the next step. But now our depth gets questioned. But, you know, this is an opportunity for those guys to step up. Um, you know, and I think the coaches are going to understand that. I think um, we find good depth uh, by, by using this time out here and, you know, getting ready for mini camps and, you know, training camp. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, worry about it, but I'm excited about it. You know, this is the chance for new guys to step up. Will Graves, Associate Press. Cam, just one more thing about the, the participation stuff. For the guys that aren't there, was it your understanding that it, it had nothing to do with any of the protocol stuff and it was just like, hey, man, I'm just going to kind of do my thing and I'll be there at minicamp? Was that the vibe that you got from those, those guys? It's just I, I think guys have gotten accustomed to, you know, training elsewhere. You know, everybody's got great routines now and the pandemic has created that. Um, you know, now more than ever, players are having that, uh, that freedom to really choose. We're the only league that has this type of, you know, participation in an off-season program. 
You know, most guys, you look at basketball. Basketball, you're playing pickup and you're doing your own drills elsewhere. Um, you know, and, you know, I think you can learn so much here, but it doesn't hurt to learn something from somebody new. Um, you know, they're, they're great coaches. And I love our guys because they understand what's going to get you better. They're not just going to go with, you know, the, the newest and freshest thing out there. The guy who's, you know, just trying to get his name out there that might just get you hurt. These guys are, you know, um, investing in themselves. You know, James Harrison, look at that guy. That guy would always travel across country to Arizona to go train. You know, that, that was his regiment. He understood it and he applied it to, you know, steal a football. You know, I think guys are more accustomed to doing that now. Hey, Cam. Um, hey. How are you doing? I, I'm um, good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you. I, um, when you look at, Richie kind of asked this earlier, even though you said this is really not contact, it's just about learning or conditioning, what is the value of actually being with each other as opposed to being entirely virtually like you were a year ago? What's specifically different and can you sense it? And does it make a difference to well, you? Like, was it fun getting in the car? Well, like, I'll be honest with you, virtual blows. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's not anything like, you know, like, uh, like I, I would love to see you guys in person, but, you know, I think um, when you look at like just installing stuff and learning, you really don't get to know someone knows like, or grasps like what's really going on. You know, when you have that, 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 in in meeting time and you're able to just you know rap with your coach and just coach I don't really understand it. let's go over that one more time you can't really you can't really go through that in a virtual setting um and this this is just uh we're not at normal we're getting the normal but uh this is just something we're going through um you know it's one thing to just get in your car and listen to a virtual meeting it's another thing to be in the meeting and be present and I think that goes a long way. And I think um, multiple teams are going through it. You know, it's it's just something we're adapting to this year. Brian Batko, Post-Gazette. Yeah, Cam, I guess kind of building on that, uh, re relating to that, I saw that you did a, a vaccine PSA not too long ago. I know it's kind of a mm -hmm. sensitive around the NFL. Obviously, it's a personal choice, but the league's incentivizing it, uh, especially with those in-person meeting restrictions being lifted. I mean, as a team captain and the, the PA rep, I mean, how are you handling that vaccination discussion with your teammates if and when it comes up? You know, I, I think everybody has to make that decision personally. Um, I, 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 I can vouch for it and say I got the vaccine because, you know, my family, um, you know, with my current situation, I have bad asthma, um, I have bad allergies. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was always in the, always in the hospital to begin with. so. Uh, I, I just thought to myself, um, I don't want to give another reason why. Um, but that's everybody's political, uh, you know, not political belief, but, you know, belief towards it. Um, you know, everybody's had different situations. My grandpa passed away before, you know, during the pandemic. Um, and he was just scared to go, even go to the hospital. So, you know, you know, everybody's got their own story. Um, and I can't think for them. All I can do is provide them the information and let them make a you know, uh, a choice of their own. Um, and I think guys have been doing that. You know, some guys have gotten COVID and are wondering, do I get the, the shot now? Um, and so they need to understand that and understand uh, why and when they should be getting the, the shot. All right, I'm 
going to get to the last two and then we'll let Joe rate the Father Post Gazette. Hey, Cam. Uh, is the union and for the Steelers specifically, are you comfortable with the injury protection for players who do choose to train outside of the facility? Was that part of it negotiated on on your part? Uh, it wasn't really negotiated. Um, you know, I, I do know there's been a history with the Steelers. If a guy's gotten hurt, they've tried to honor it for the most part. Um, it, it just, it, it's beyond me that we're training outside the facility for our jobs can't get covered for, you know, um, you know, injuries. Um, you know, I think that's one thing that needs to be addressed soon because I think um, at the end of the day, we're all just working towards one goal and you shouldn't be penalized if you're out anywhere, just trying to work on your game. Did you have a question or no? No, Ray asked my question, I'm good. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, Cam. Nope, Ray asked my question. That's <laughs> this is what we deal with on the on the Zoom calls. Yeah, like, I'm glad I'm not involved in that. I gotta be honest. Like you don't know when you're gonna come when your turn is gonna come up. Oh yeah, you've explained that before. I don't know if you explained and so it to the you, audience, you know you could right. be first. Mm-hmm. You were second today, right? Yeah, with that one or with that one. You could be eighth. You could be tenth. And so you 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 kind of got to have four or five things. That, okay, I want to ask him about this. If, Someone, that. someone just asked that, and right. then all of a sudden you get down there, and if you're down at the end of this thing, and and you're you know you're you're checking off the questions as they're going, like, oh boy, <laughs> I got nothing left here. Do you ever pass? You no. know, like no, you, I always you, ask something you because something. you don't. I mean, you, you only get one or two questions on these kind of things as it is, and this is the only availabilities that you have. So I mean, you spend I'll, so much time pulling one player to the side yeah. and having to talk with them yeah. just one on one, and that's vanished. That's vanished, but. Yeah. We're getting closer, as as, uh, as Cam uh, said there. No, uh, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of the Steeler players at the OTAs. I, it's above uh, two thirds uh, have been mm-hmm. there. Um, a lot of the more veteran players are not there. They really don't need to be. They really don't need yeah, to be. And that's, I mean, that's I, the they wouldn't be getting a lot of reps anyways. Right. You right. you wouldn't want them to because you want right. to get you want to get you know if you're Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff you want to get as good a look. As some of these younger guys as you can, mm-hmm. even yeah. the non-drafted, even right. the bottom of the roster guys, because you want to see right. if there's a boy he stands yeah. out, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know what the uh, the Castro is going to do. You know, I mean, yeah. he doesn't Joe need to Hayden learn anything, need to, you know, right? I mean, there's a slight chance they could you know get hurt as well. I mean, but you just want to develop the youngsters. So people looking that sometimes is why aren't the veterans there? They should show better leadership. They really won't do anything. They just stand there. And yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's not well. And, and to Cam's point, you heard him say this that you know he and Ben Roethlisberger have been there both days mm-hmm. um, thus far, and they're as your you know your offensive and defensive captains. They're trying to learn these guys, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and get around these guys and kind of get a, a good idea of. And that's certainly these commendable. Are. And not every team has those has their leaders there right now. You know, I mean, they don't have to be there. I guess Ben had a bunch of rookies over his house for for a dinner or something like yeah. that too. Um, Cam's obviously the the perfect guy to be the team rep too. I mean, he's been great with you guys all along. You can tell he's great with his teammates. He's great on the field, you know. So makes a perfect sense. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's all part of this. And and as as we know, um, there there were a lot of veteran guys. Mike Tomlin said this uh, during the draft. He was asked about. The OTA sessions. This is phase three of them. There were two phases mm-hmm. before this, and the Steelers have had a lot of guys in and out of the building in those first two sessions. 
Well, now you've added all the young guys to this. Right, a whole new crop have added in, right? Yeah, so all the all the veteran guys could have already been in here and learned, you know, okay, here's what the new offense is going to look like. Mm-hmm, go, mm-hmm. Take this with you, go work on it wherever you're going to work on it. We're bringing all these new guys, you know, they have 90 guys on the roster. Right. It's kind of weird how it's set up like that, that, that you know, really – Two-thirds of the team goes to the first two-thirds of minicamp, and then the whole new flood, even with just a minicamp under their belt, they didn't only meet their new teammates, the veterans, but then they're done. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an odd setup. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's going on right now. It's it, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of teaching, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of uh, questions and, and those kind of things that are going on right now. Uh, some of the younger veterans are there. Uh, obviously, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but a lot of the older guys are not because, as you said, they don't need to be there they don't for these kind of sessions. You're not, you're not teaching old dogs new tricks in in regard to okay, here's here's how we have this outside leverage. Here's how we play. Right. We've already gone over inside that hands when you're blogging or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- these guys have been coached. Um, I do think there is some some value. I mentioned this before, just across the league. So many players signed one-year deals yeah. that, you know, put your best step forward for your new team or, you know, market yourself as best as possible, even if you're not getting a ton out of them. I think the young guys get a lot out of it, though. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. Yeah. And, and that's why, um, you know, that's why they have these things is for the young guys, mm-hmm. for the younger players, because... Or if you're making a position switch. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, this is, you know, you know, maybe, yeah, you were in camp last year with the Titans. Mm-hmm. Well... They're going to do things differently, very differently. Yeah, it's not like baseball where you play right field and yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? or I'm the yeah. you know I'm the I'm the center on the team, and so I you know they yeah the play's a little bit different, but I can pick that up pretty quickly and right. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I rebound a score and do that stuff. No, you're no right. You're asked to do some completely different things. I mean, if you're a right guard, outside zone's not outside zone in every city, you know, every right. city exactly the same well, way just, you do it Just look too, at the three, or, you know. four defenses around the league. Mm-hmm. They don't all run them the same way. No, not at all. I mean, it's kind of gone the way the dinosaur to do the old school two-gapping, you know, just eat up as many blocks as you can. Because nobody runs three. the ball anymore. Because nobody runs the ball. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're looking for penetrators everywhere. And plus the league is just getting flooded with awesome defensive linemen, so why not use them? But still, they all run those things a lot differently. I heard a, an interview with Curtis Marsh. I one my favorite podcast I was listening to, and he was just blown away of how well the Steelers use their big guys to set up their edge guys. You know, in terms of slants right. and stunts, and and that goes back to LeBeau. And you know, not every team does it that well. He's yeah. like, boy, they set you up for success here. Yeah, that's why I'm not super concerned about that position necessarily. I've mm-hmm. seen, you know, a lot of fans say, "Well, they need better outside linebacker depth." I've seen them win with, you know, Anthony Chicolo. I've mm-hmm. seen them win with. Just guys at right. the outside linebacker position. As long as, as long as your defensive linemen is are, are they're doing, doing their job, they're they doing your job. Your linebackers well. are going to be successful. I'm not at all discrediting the great accomplishments of Lloyd and Green and Gildon and Watt, and you know we've seen tons and tons of Bud. But you're right. I mean, scheme helps that position more than if you would say lose Cam Hayward. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. I would rather Hayward and Tewart are at least as important to, to Watt. And certainly as depth to me than the other, you know, the way around. Yeah. But the uh, Steelers uh, just completed their second of 10 OTAs today. Okay. Um, so they'll Are have... they 10 days in a row or is there some No, you get, there? you yeah. get 10 over three-week period. So okay. they'll do three this week, three next week because of the holiday, mm-hmm. and then four the final week before then, the, the, the week after that, 
is their mandatory mini camp. Gotcha. And plus, people will go home, and you know they're not going to spend all three weeks here if they're not. If this isn't their hometown, right? You know, right? Exactly. And that matters too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, but that's oh, going to do it yeah. for this segment. So we actually have football to talk about a little Absolutely. bit. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, we get some more uh, coming up here in, in future segments. Uh, yep. But uh, that's going to do it for this one. So for my partner Matt Williamson, for Jacob Brecht uh, uh, here on site, keeping us on the air. I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, the NFL owners uh, approved a couple of different things today. I had some yeah, meetings with happening. the NFLPA. Got things happening, doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the first thing is that the owners approved a 90-man roster to start training camp this year. Okay. That's not a surprise. No, no. Uh, with cuts to 85 on August 17th, 80 on August 24th, and 53 by August 31st. It's a little odd. I'm not sure if I like that, hate that, whatever. I mean, it's just an odd situation. I mean, I'm sure it's really easy to cut those first five. You know, bye, you're gone. And and frankly, I think that that's useful. Sometimes cutting is not the problem. Stopping, as Chuck Noll once said, is the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the early cuts because if I'm a position coach, I don't want these poor two dudes in my linebacker room that I know aren't making the team and I, I need to, you know, spend any time on you know so let's concentrate on the guys that got a shot but i'd probably wanted even more so you know more than 10 being gone that quick maybe 20 being gone that quick yeah uh, i mean i get it uh you know you're still playing some games i i guess it, that that i haven't looked at the schedules yet but mm-hmm. i'm sure that lines up with the preseason, preseason game the yeah, preseason game right. so, so, out, so after right. that first preseason game you cut five guys after yeah. that second uh you cut five more and then you get down to 53 after your third one. Yeah. So you don't have to play your guys uh, that you, you know, in that third preseason game or fourth one for the Steelers, you're not you're not going to want to be playing guys that are. They have no chance. That, you know, you, quite frankly, you can't afford to get hurt. Yeah, there's, yeah. I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Is why am I playing this guy who I know I'm going to cut? But. I don't want to play the guys I know that aren't getting cut either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't you'll want to play some, and you know, you'll play guys, players forty through fifty-three, mm-hmm. who you think as or as they are right now, and sometimes, you know, and they'll sometimes be even higher up the ladder. You there'll know, be like, five guys that you want to look at, maybe for maybe that fifty-second or fifty-third spot, mm-hmm. and they can make the team based on what happens in that last preseason game. But overall, there's typically not a lot of turnover there. No, no, you're right. And they have a pretty good idea. Offensive lines are always interesting to yeah. me and how you handle that because you can't just put out a slappy for one thing. Because you then get your quarterback's killed. You get your quarterback killed, <laughs> even if it's Haskins. And you or can't even operate. Or, you can't look at the guys you, you want to look plays, at. Right. Yeah. You can't. You got to put a good enough line out there to evaluate the others on the field. But you don't want it to be too good that you're losing your starters. Well, here's the problem for and the Steelers. Continuity's really hard yeah. too. You know. Here's the problem for the Steelers this year is that so many of the offensive linemen that they want to look at or, or, or have are young guys. Oh, absolutely. And haven't played with the dude next to them. Right. So, do you right. you know, if you're Mike Tomlin this year, do you play that line, you know, does Kevin Dotson get Dotson's more snaps? Dotson's a perfect example with, to me. Next right. to Kendrick Green, next to Chooks Okorafor at mm-hmm. left tackle, those kind of things. 
It's you, gonna be you a real see that stuff. Mix. Right, without question. Um, maybe don't play DeCastro much, but he's gonna be the one that's telling everyone what to do. Right, <laughs> that's the <laughs> other part of the equation. Yeah, they all look around at each other and blah, 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 you know, yeah. not sure what the heck's going on. So I think that'll be really interesting how they handle their O line groups. Plus, they may have some positions they're kind of fighting for, and they drafted two guys. How long? Do they, how do they bring them along? And you also want to get good looks at your backup young quarterbacks, but they can't be behind garbage offensive. Yeah, you line. can't be. You can't be. You know, snap the ball and duck. <laughs> right, right. Or exactly. you can't have your. You know, you know, you're not getting a good look at your running game or your schemes that you're trying to to work on. Mm-hmm. If your running backs are getting tackled at five yards in the backfield every time because nobody can block anybody. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm thinking about Green specifically because I think he's the only rookie that has a chance to start. But if he plays five preseason games, 17 – Well, they can't play regular, five. they got four. Or four, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. One more than everybody else. 17 regular season games and hopefully playoff games. Like, he's never played 22 games in his that's career. Ca- that's what, happened, you know what, that's what happened to T.J. Watt his rookie year. Yeah. He essentially played almost every snap of every preseason game. Right. Then in the regular season, he was he was getting a lot of snaps at linebacker and also playing all the special teams. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That adds up. Mm-hmm. As you know, so yeah, you have to be cognizant of that. We heard Kim uh, Hayward in a previous segment talking about how teams need to be smart with guys with a 17 game schedule. Maybe you ha- maybe you do yeah. need to ease up a little bit. Oh, I think you do. I mean, you brought up the point a couple times of you'd like to keep an extra running back. I mean, because that's such a brutal position and the turnovers rough anyway. You know, maybe a, you know, they love Harris and he wants he's gonna get yeah. the high, highest percentage of touches, but maybe it's five percent less than we think, and that's smart. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have to be care- careful with that. Uh, according to Tom Pelissaro uh, of the NFL Network, the NFL and NFLPA have agreed to a salary cap ceiling for 2022 mm-hmm. of 208.2 million dollars. You told me that off the air, and I originally thought, why would they even? put a ceiling on anything but it's a high ceiling <laughs> it's a really <laughs> yeah, high ceiling for people who don't realize it that's that's really good news i think yeah the cap this year is 180 point 82.5 million dollars mm-hmm. it's never gone up so you're talking about before, a 26 right? million dollar increase in yeah. the that's that's a significant jump it doesn't mean it's going to get there but it sounds like they think it can well we got the news yesterday that the league has given approval to 30 of 32 teams to play in full stadiums next year and i would think that all 32 are going to be full when the so. season starts, uh, because one of the, the two of the ones that are holdouts right now are Indianapolis and Denver. Denver, yeah. Well, I'm going to a concert in Indianapolis in July. Yeah, that's in that's it, at Lucas Oil Stadium, Same and it's going building. to be a full stadium. Right, right. So, What's what are you waiting up? for here? I mean, maybe I'm not sure what the news is or what the hang-up is. I'm sure it's something political that yeah. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but. I can't believe that those that we only have two stadiums that don't have full capacity. Yeah, they'll, they'll all be full. They'll all be full. Right? So just great news. That, I mean, just that makes you much closer and... to that two hundred eight point two million dollars salary mm-hmm. cap. The they reason they signed a monster TV deal, right? Yeah, right. The reason they they cap that uh, at that number is that if the revenues come in higher than that, mm-hmm. they can use it to pay back some of the benefits to the players that that they had to suspend last year because of the pandemic. Nice. So, so, yeah, the players sure get the players their money like, back, yeah. They, that's a, a win-win for the players. You're going to spend more on our contracts when they come up, um, and we may even get some back pay, you know, that's, yeah. which is great. Some things back. Uh, which means the owners are pretty comfortable. So the, 200, <laughs> yeah. the $208.2 million salary cap. Is that what it was, 208.2? I think that's what you said, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 208.2. So 
when we looked at this last week, when we looked at spot track, where the Steelers stood in terms of their salary cap, spot track at that time was estimating a hundred and ninety two point five million dollar <laughs> salary cap. Wow. If they, they estimated it going up $10 million, which is typically what it does. Mm-hmm, right. In this case, it would be going up $26 million. So an extra, you can add an extra $16 million onto, if they get to this, which they should, if, if that's what they put the cap at, right. they feel pretty they good pretty, about getting at least close to that there, number. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, and some, unless something strange in the world comes up between now and then, maybe that's what... Maybe that's really what they're saying is it's going to be 208.2 right. unless some crazy because, thing happens between now and then. Again, that was negotiated between the NFL and NFLPA. The NFLPA mm-hmm. wants those benefits paid back. Yeah, right, right, right. So they set it at a, at a spot that's high enough that the cap was going to go up, but low enough that they can reach it and get those benefits back. Yeah, right, right, right. So we may have some surplus, of course. Right. And it's been so hard the last year or two. How do I negotiate... Patty Mahomes' contract, Dak Prescott's, and now we've got Mayfield and Lamar and Allen. I'm sure front offices have said, we need to know this number sooner than, you know, the, the offseason we're going to encounter it. Give us some, you know, highway that we're going to, you know, give me a, a fairway that I can at least sit right. down in the middle of and have some clue. So it makes me think that it probably will get to 208, which is a massive jump. It's just wonderful for the, the whole business. It's great for the world that, you know, things are moving in the right direction and, Fan, the games are, game day is going to be a lot more fun and loud, and there'll be actual home field advantages again. And hopefully that's just one blip on the radar and there's not some crazy new strand of COVID that screws it all up or whatever. But that would be amazing. For the Steelers, that means that they would now have $77 million in, in available cap, cap space next year. Which is crazy. $77 million. Yeah. yeah. They were already in great cap shape. Now you get even better. Now everybody I mean, everybody else, still gets a bump, yeah. too, right? So I mean, it's, everybody it's else in the same boat. Still, but, you know, we talked about this. What if they had $77 million to spend? The teams that were at the bottom of that next year, including the Browns, were minus $8.9 million. Mm-hmm. Well, now they well, don't they have, can do business now. They can do some business. They're right. probably still going to have to release players who are making more than... Although some tough decisions to yeah. make. But at least they can... Their heads above water as it stands right now. The Packers were minus were forty million dollars over the hundred ninety two point five. So this gets them at least within shouting distance. The Cowboys were also way over mm-hmm. thirty four million over. The Giants at twenty five million over. Why well, the Giants twenty five million over the cap? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the Rams are feeling a little bit better about that now. Now you maybe only have to cut one or two guys mm-hmm. to get down or get some cap. But when this started, room. I mean, the Steelers were in this boat. I mean, the Eagles and especially the Saints were. 80 million. Yeah. You know, when the last cap number came out, because all these teams thought it would go up 10 and it went back 20 or whatever. You right. Know? So, uh, no, this works out really well for the Steelers, for the league. Uh, I mean, I, I'm always in favor of teams being able to keep their players if they want. I wonder if it affects the Julio trades at all or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I know Atlanta's in bad shape this year and he probably needs to go, but at least they won't be totally swimming a year from now. Right. Yeah. You, know? you can make some moves that, uh, Help you out long term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you do then extend guys. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe there's some extensions coming. Yeah, maybe you were holding off till you saw what that was going to be. That's why we haven't seen a Lamar Jackson deal or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, Allen or, or some of these other quarterbacks get signed because they weren't sure what the cap was going to be next year. Well, now they know that, okay, this is probably what it's going to be. Yeah. So now we can act accordingly. I wonder if there'll be some extensions too. And the agents are going, ooh. Oh, the agents <laughs> are real happy, right. It, it, 
it would have been nice if we knew this before this free agency period. Right. You know, you could give guys, you know, really. You could build those contracts a year. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that would have been nice to know. But hey, I mean, this is, I'm not looking at gift horse in the mouth, the mouth or whatever. But I mean, Atlanta's a bad example because I think they're in really bad shape. But some of these teams might be able to make another move this year that they hadn't planned on by because you can build that yeah around. you can build that you sign guys now to a two year deal mm-hmm. because you know what the cap the cap's going to go way up next year so we can you know we talked about the Steelers potentially uh, you know they should look at Morgan Moses yeah I've really thought about that a lot and it's really warm well, now you can sign him and say hey Morgan we're going to give you uh, two years fourteen million dollars mm-hmm. uh, we'll give you a you know, a, a, a minimum salary this year will give you a seven million in signing bonus. Yeah, so you're going to get half of that this year, and then next year you're going to make a nice salary. Yeah, and if by chance he doesn't work out, that doesn't kill you to cut him. Yeah, and he has a nice chunk in his pocket. You get a right tackle for two years. And you let the other guys fight it out on the left side. I love it from a football perspective. I like it more and more now from a financial perspective, especially the way you laid it out. Eliminates. I'm not saying eliminates a need, but you just sign a starter. In yeah, a position takes you're it not off. Sure the, yeah, about, takes it right. off the table for you next year. Mm-hmm. Right, right, you right. Know, uh, that hey, Steelers got to sign an offensive tackle this year because you know is Dan is uh, Dan Moore ready to play next year? I don't know. He's a fourth round draft pick. Yeah, who's to say? I mean, just gives you a, a buffer. You know, I mean, it just let you know if Banner or Chooks doesn't work out, you really only need one of the two to work out. Um, you know, it moves Hague down the list a little bit too. Yeah, uh, you'd hope Moore doesn't have to play at all, and you can totally redshirt him and co- coach him up. Yeah, I like that move a lot. And I, I was on tra- on the train of adding a veteran outside linebacker, and I still would look at that in a corner. But this right tackle move, they're just hard to find. You know, if you could find yeah. a guy like that, that would make. There'll be sense. corners cut loose at the mm-hmm. end of training camp that, you know, or even after June first that that uh, you look and go, that guy could help us. Yeah, maybe he could play snaps for us. Offensive tackles a little different. Uh, you know, teams aren't necessarily yeah. Teams aren't no. cutting loose. You know, starting offensive tackles. No. And, uh, we did, we talked about the article uh, Bill Barnwell wrote and had the, the Steelers signing uh, Akun. Uh, Russell Akun. He's played 13 games in the last two years. He's hard to count on, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying anything bad about the guy, but I, I understand that he negotiates his own contracts too, and he's not the easiest guy to deal with. I mean, some teams probably don't even want to go down that road. Um, we've seen some tackle movement lately, including Moses and Washington post-draft, you know, getting Leno, uh, Villanueva going to Baltimore. But they all had something weird going on in their situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fisher, you know, it, 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 some of those moves. But they're done. They're not going to be a bunch of tackles all of a sudden available. There's one right now. I'd be on the market. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mike Clay wrote a piece on ESPN. I sent this to you uh, last night. Yeah. Uh, predicting the top NFL rookie leaders in 10 key stat categories. Top five in passing, rushing, receiving, sacks, and more. And more. And more. Yeah, Mike does good work. He's a, a Philly guy or from that neck of the woods, the wrong end of the state. You know, he, he does good work. Always like to read his stuff. Here's projections on the quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Okay. Trevor Lawrence, 4,269 passing yards, 23 touchdown passes. Okay. I don't think that's crazy. Okay. I mean, I think he's starting week one. I'm not yeah. sure about the others. I've never done projections, and it's more of a math thing than a scouting type thing. I, I don't know how you do that for some of these guys. Like, when do you think field starts? Especially with the new uh, coaching staff in Jacksonville. You yeah, don't know how right, much they're right. going to throw the ball. You don't know, you know their tendencies. You would imagine you're, you're doing this for 17 games for Lawrence, but the other guys – Mac Jones and I mean uh, well, Zach Wilson's going to start. Zach Wilson's yeah. going to start, but the other three to me, how do you project you how many games they're going to play? Yeah, you don't know. What were Lawrence's numbers again? 
4,269 yards and 23 passing touchdowns. You going over or under on? Over on the touchdowns. Really? Yeah. 23 is not that many. I mean, 17 games? I guess. Yeah, you know. Uh, Zach Wilson, 3,993 yards, 20 touchdown passes. See, I don't think he'll be as successful as Lawrence. But I also think people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit. Like, uh, in these dynasty drafts I've been in, he falls really late. And I, I, he wasn't my favorite quarterback in the draft. But they're not a bad group around him all of a sudden. I mean, it was an abysmal offense last year. But it's going to be a lot better this year. I mean, it's I probably think. bottom third. Yeah. But it's not going to be horrendous. Uh, Justin Fields. 3,187 passing yards with 18 touchdown passes. Sounds like they think that's a 17-game like schedule. Or maybe that's how you do it for all of them is a 17-game schedule. Sounds like maybe they're thinking maybe he plays at least 15. Yeah. I tend to think that'll be the case, too. Yeah. I mean, the, Dalton should not be as tough to get past as Jimmy. Would not think so. You wouldn't think so. Yeah. And especially the teams are in different places, too. I mean, Jimmy took that team to a Super Bowl two years ago. And Chicago's, I know they were a playoff team last year, but they're kind of rebuilding. Uh, Trey Lance, 2,464 yards and 16 touchdown passes. Okay. I mean, these ones are hard to comment on because how many games do yeah. you think he plays? And, the, and Jimmy could get hurt in week two, yeah. too. But The final one's Mac Jones, and this one actually is for 17 games. Oh, really? Uh, it's 1,400 yards and seven passing touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the Patriot passing game in a nutshell. All right, without any of the Cam. Cam played all those games last year. They had six touchdown passes as a team. As a team, right. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know how that one plays out either. I mean, they're so different. Uh, rushing yards. Yeah, this is, here's when it hits home. He's got Najee Harris for 987 rushing yards. I'm Boy, going over that. I'm going way over. I'm going yeah. way over. I'm at like 1,200. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, Javante Williams at 789. They don't have their receiving yards. So they're, That's they're just, added down later. Okie dokie. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Uh, 789 rushing yards for Javante Williams. You going over or under that? Over. I'm not sure Gordon's going to be a Bronco on opening day. I, I could see him getting traded to Miami or something like that and just handing it to Williams. The fact they traded up very early second round for this guy makes me think he's the, he's the one to own in fantasy, and he, he's going to take that thing over. Number three on the list is Michael Carter with 623 rushing yards. I think you know his role at least. Yeah. I think he has a, a, a direct path to mm-hmm. starting. He's going to play. I, I like his chance of playing more snaps than ATN or Sermon. Yeah. Travis ATN, 616 rushing yards. Okay. I mean, I assume he's a little worried about the whole receiver yeah. stuff, but it's early. I wouldn't get too worried about that. But Robinson's not going away. The number five rookie rusher. Justin Fields with 463 rushing yards. It's a good one. <laughs> that's smart. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's smart. He's going to run a lot. Yeah. So if he has 463 rushing yards and almost 3,200 passing yards with 18 touchdowns, which is what the projections here are. Probably five or six rushing touchdowns as he's well. Like, he's like a top 10 fantasy quarterback. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's Jalen Hurts-type numbers, and yeah. he's going to the top 10. Uh Quarterback rushing yards. He also has a, a stat for that. Mm. He has Fields one at 463. Okay. Trey Lance second at 437. That's, again, must be thinking he's playing a whole year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence third with 288. They run – him and Wilson run plenty. Lawrence is really good at it. Uh, Wilson he has with 264 rushing yards. Okay. And Mac Jones 67. Pooh, I might even take the under on that. Yeah. Uh, even if he plays 17 games. Receiving yards. Okay. 
Jamar Chase with 1,003. No biggie if you don't know, but do you remember like where Jefferson was? I think he was like at 1,300. He was right, right around 1,300. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't play much the first two games, yeah. and he averaged almost 100 yards a game. So 1,003 receiving yards for Jamar Chase. I think I'm going under. It's I, tough. I, yeah. I mean, there's, you're sharing. There's three really yeah. good receivers there. That and I'm Joe Mixon. Sure What's that? And you got Joe Mixon. And Mixon, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that he's – I'd rather have him than Boyd or Higgins, but I don't know that he's better than them from right day now. one. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, Devontae Smith with the Eagles, 964. Who do you think gets the most targets in Cincinnati this year? I'd I probably go with Boyd. I'd still go with Boyd. I was I mean, going to say. They will be deep ones, but yeah. I bet he gets a, you know all the third downs. 130, and yeah, 130 targets. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Smith, 964. I think he may have more target. I think he's going to be targeted heavily. Yeah. Like I could see him being the Eagles' leading target guy. Jalen Waddle, eight seventy-five. He better hit a couple long ones. Yeah, which is certainly possible. I don't know that he's going to hit eighty targets, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's he going to have? What's his ceiling? Fifty catches? Yeah. And I really like him, but Gasecki, Parker, and especially Fuller aren't going away. Right. And Fuller's going to take some of his long touches too. Um, yeah, I don't know that Waddle's going to be really productive. Kyle Pitts, 780. I'll take it. I'll, I'll go over. I'd go if over Julio's that gone, yeah. and I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion, I think he'll line up and be you know, the, a starting wideout, basically, at some point. The fifth one is Rashad Bateman at 657. And I'm Ooh, going under that. I'm going under that. Yeah. They don't throw the ball enough. I bet they throw a little bit more. I mean, if they were – I don't know what they were last year, but say they were 55% run, I bet it's down to 52 or 53, yeah. but it's still going to lead the league. Right. Running back receiving yards. I'm not sure Bateman wins the starting job. I mean, I like the right. player a lot, yeah. but that's not even a, a slam dunk. Running back receiving yards. Hmm, interesting. Travis ATN, 463. Okay. I think I'd have Harris over ATN, though. Najee Harris, 379. Yeah, I think he'll be every bit of that. Michael Carter, 221. Yes. Maybe over on that, over, too. I'd go over on that. And I don't love Carter, but I bet he plays a lot. Javante Williams, 186. I might go over on that, I might too. go over He's that. He's a good receiver. Yeah. I mean, Gordon's not bad, and Gordon's not bad in protection, either. But if Gordon, for a chance, isn't there, he'll go way over it. The last one is Trey Sermon at 153. I'd go under that. I'd probably go under that, too. Um, it's not a big deal, but the, the running back Wilson got hurt in minicamp this week. I'd go with uh, what's it, the the kid the Eagles drafted from Memphis, uh, Gainwell. Gainwell. I really think he'll be there. Naheem Hines. Yeah. I bet he goes over 200 this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's gonna be on the field. He'll be, he'll be a returner. He'll be active every game day. Yeah. I bet he's three, four hundred maybe. Touchdowns from scrimmage. Okay. Najee Harris with eight. I'm going over on that too. Yeah, I'd go over that. Yeah. Jamar Chase with seven. I think that sounds about right. He excels in that neck of the woods, too. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Pitts with six. I'll go over. Travis ATM with five. I'll go under. Devontae Smith with five. I'll go under. Kind of strange Javante Williams doesn't make an appearance on there. Right, right. Running I bet he falls in the end zone more than two or three times. Yeah, I mean, five is the, is the basement there. That's a number. Yeah. I mean, it might take a while, but even if Williams is a starter in Denver the last six, eight games, he'll score two or three touchdowns right. you know, yeah. in, in the second half of the year. Uh, interceptions. We don't need to get That's too tough one, yeah. yeah. J.C. Horn with 2.1, Richie Grant with 1.8, Caleb Farley with 1.7, Patrick Sertame with 1.6, and Asante Samuel Jr. with 1.5. I mean, uh, 
you know, much to add to yeah. that. You know, I mean, uh, the rookie corners last year had a tough go of it. I they will imagine. see lots of targets. They'll see lots of targets. <laughs> I don't know if Farley will see the field. I mean, he's the one name that kind of stood out there. Is, is he going to be playing? I assume he will, but who knows. Uh, sacks. This one's interesting. It's not a great crop. No. Uh, Jalen Phillips with the Dolphins with five and a half. He would definitely be my highest pick. I'll take over on that. Okay. Quiddy pay with the Colts at five. I don't expect much. That's from like more than he had guys. in college. You're right, yeah. <laughs> I don't expect a lot from this crop. I'm going to go under. I think I'd go under across the board probably. Adofe, I don't oh, even yeah. know how to pronounce his yeah. name. Oh, wait, that first name now. What's Jason? Yes. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know if Adofe gets to gets the quarterback any better than Jason did, but Jason did not <laughs> get to the quarterback last Wasn't year at Penn Jason's State. Right. <laughs> and Mike Clay thinks he gets four and a half sacks this year. I'm going under. Yeah. I think he's a part-time player. Yeah. In year one. Peyton Turner with the Sa- with the Saints, four and a half. Under. I mean, Davenport and Jordan are the starters. Yeah. Same thing with Joe Tryon in Tampa Bay. Right. He's a he's third guy. Four and a half, yeah. I'll go under. Okay. Huh. I'm trying to think how many Chase Young have last year. Or who were the leaders? He had seven and a half. Yeah. And he missed time. He's way better than all these guys. Right. Yeah. Um, tackles. Okay. Zaven Collins with the Cardinals at 128. I'm going under. 128 tackles is a lot. That's a lot. Although I would have to look at this and see how some of these teams who, who are the big credit, tackle teams credit right, tackles right, right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's different. That's that's why tackles. It's a terrible stat. It's a horrible stat. Right. Horrible stat because it's different for every team. And sometimes four guys get a credit for a tackle on one play, or you know, in which not always it's not always one on one situations. But yeah. I don't know the Collins. And I really liked him before the draft, and I still do. I don't know that he immediately steps in and tears the league tackling up. machine. Right, no. right, right. Yeah. I think he's going to have some adjustment. Uh, Micah Parson with the Cowboys, uh, 113. I'll go under with that, too. Um, I really like the prospect as well. But Van Der Esch and, and Smith are still there. They're still there, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that immediately, I'm not sure if this is how they said it or not, but I think one thing they really liked about Parsons is they might just rush him off the edge on third downs, too. So yeah. you don't get many tackles that way. Right, you no. Know? I mean, he may not be an every-down, second-level player. Jamin Davis with Washington, 108. I think he plays a lot. Yeah. yeah. That one, I think, is pretty solid. Pete Werner with the Saints with 85. Is he going to be a starter, though? I don't know. I mean, Demario Davis is never going to leave the field. Right. I like Warner. I think he is kind of a plug-and-play guy. Yeah, that's probably about right. How about this one? J.C. Horn with the Panthers with 70. Rookie, Rookie corners, corners. thrown at a lot. He's, he's a willing tackler. He's, phys- yeah. he's physical. And I wonder, he did it in college. It's a lot to ask from a rookie, but when they play Atlanta without Julio, is he following Ridley? You know, is he following Michael Thomas? Uh, I assume that's the plan with them. In time, if so, he'll get every bit of those tackles. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. What I mean? if you're, yeah, if you're going after the number one receiver, it's going to be a, a long year, a busy year. I'm not well, very a busy. Year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But those are the rookies. Uh, lots of good stuff happening here around the league, and uh, it's not a great rookie class. It's I hate not. to say it. it; it just isn't. You know, it's, well, with the where the depth was, it's not a big name rookie class. It's bad for fantasy. It's yeah. bad for sack guys. But there are lots of offensive linemen. That, you sure, know, sure, that kind of stuff that right. you know. That make you better football team, but not necessarily mm-hmm. garner a lot of headlines. And five obvious quarterbacks. Who knows when they play? And yeah. I think this year will be remembered as the Lawrence year, of course. But the the five quarterback year, 
will be the the calling card. But really, only three running backs of note. You know, so yeah. some of the even the receivers I don't like quite as much as the last two years. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of small guys. Yeah. But uh, that's going to do it for this segment. So for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob Brecht here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And uh, Matt, uh, the Steelers OTA sessions today, uh, after session number two, um, we had an opportunity to speak with two second-year players who are being counted on a lot uh, by the Steelers this year, uh, that being uh, left guard Kevin Dotson, Mm -hmm. who was a a fourth-round pick last year, and Alex Highsmith, uh, who will be uh, moving into Bud Dupree's uh, right outside linebacker spot uh, their third round pick a year ago. Um, there's a high expectations for both of these guys, at least in Pittsburgh. Maybe yes. not as much nationally. That's kind of where I was going with this too. Is first of all, I think it's a little it's a little premature, but it sure looks like a heck of a draft class last year, especially if you put Minka in the equation. Obviously, I mean that that's a hit. I think Claypool's a hit. I think both these guys are really promising. You know, and the national media doesn't get that, which I've been there. I've been that national guy, and it's hard to know the fourth-round pick from last year is ready to step up in Green Bay or San Diego. But it's not like whatever, he didn't you know. play. If he did play. It's not like right. both of these guys didn't play. They got forced in, in a way. I yeah. don't think they were planning on playing one year ago today. But how many times do we say teams tell us what they think of their players? And I think they've really – the writing's been on the wall that they trust these two to start now – and got enough last year in, in live games, let alone practice, that everyone gets to say, we're counting these two to be starters, and we're with them every day. And we didn't add anybody to either spot that, was going, to, right. that was going to challenge those these guys right. for a starting spot. That doesn't often happen. No. Second-year guys that have played, I don't know how many snaps between them, but I'm guessing 700 or something like that, yeah. maybe, you know, or between the two of them are going to be my starting guard and starting outside linebacker. In camp, no challenge, boom. You know, that says a lot about these two players. Yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. I, I actually asked Alex Highsmith about, you know, some of the national percepti- perception. Of, mm-hmm. hey, you saw the stuff out there before the draft of Steelers going to draft an outside linebacker. they got to replace Bud Dupree and, like, well, he's still here. Or Steelers got to draft a guard. and, and mm-hmm. they, No. They need centers and yeah. tackles. They didn't need guards. Right. You know, I, right. But you saw guard listed as a big need a lot, and I don't, I don't, it just wasn't realistic. No. I didn't ask, I didn't ask uh, uh, Kevin Dotson about that, but we did talk to him, asked him a lot of other stuff. Uh, so let's hear what Kevin Dotson okay. had to say. Fun guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's, I'm sure. Hey, I was wondering if you could um, walk us through some of the main differences between uh, Coach Sean and Coach Adrian and, uh, I noticed one thing that uh, when you guys were under center, uh, you guys had your hand on the ground. Is that something that uh, Coach Clement's emphasizing here this spring? Yeah, he's he's emphasized it more definitely for the tackles, uh, being more you know 
more often doing three-point stands. Uh, last year, I did three-point stands the whole year, so uh, it didn't really change for me. But, you know, some other guards, they'll, they'll be in. They'll, they did two-point stands last year. He's trying to get a little bit away from that to be able to come off the ball a little more. Let's go to Jeff Hathorn. Jeff? Kevin, how different is it for you this year with new guys on your left and right? And, and what's that feel with, with the group without uh, Marquise and Villanueva there? You know, we just got to just have to adapt, you know. Been, um, my offensive lines of any team I've been on, been able to plug people in and still be able to do what they need to do, get done. You know, uh, we're going to miss the leadership of uh, Pouncey and them, but, you know, we're going to have to adjust. We can't we can't hold on to it. We have to move on and start our own stuff. Dale Lolly. Kevin, uh, Mike Tomlin also always talks about the, the biggest jump for a player being between year one and year two. Uh, how different do you feel this year coming into this? And you actually have some OTAs this year, which you didn't have last year. You know, I just feel more prepared. I say prepared. I just know what's to come. You know, last year, all the COVID stuff, I had no idea when I was supposed to go, come up to Pittsburgh. I didn't know what we were going to do, what type of practices we're going to be. Now I'm, I can expect it, and I know what to work for. And I worked for it all the offseason, being able to get ready for what I know is coming. Brooke Pryor. Hey, Kevin, um, I believe that you train uh, with Duke Manyweather down in Dallas in the offseason, also where Kendrick Perkins and Dan Moore were training pre-draft. Did you get to know them at all before they ended up here? And what have you seen out of them early in OTAs? Uh, I got to talk to them um, at the place that they was training at. I got to uh, like kind of talk to the group and tell them about my first year in the league. And um you know, I've I've noticed that they I feel like they're they're sponges. They they take in the information that's given to them and try to do it to the best of their ability. You know, it's gonna be a little little rough to get it in the first day or two, but you know, you kinda gotta get it get it rolling after a while. Jenna Harner. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned just talking about, you know, your first year in the league. What did you share with these guys? What do you, you know, come, what did you learn, I guess, from year one that you want to kind of, I, I guess, bestow on these rookies in year two? The main thing I wanted to tell them is, um, you know, once you take your first snap in the league, you're no longer a rookie. So, you know, people are going to hold you to their high expectation, even in practice. So if you've played a game, even if you haven't played a game, once you made it to the league, you're really not a rookie anymore. People don't have any, you know, sympathy for, oh, this is his first year. No, it's if you get plugged in, you need to be able to compete. We can't we can't slow up for anybody. So I feel like they'll be able to do this. Uh, I feel like they're ready to, you know, compete with NFL guys. Will Grace. Kevin, you, you mentioned the uh, the leadership void left by Pounce and, you know, the Al and, and some of those guys. I mean, is it... A, you expect it to sort out just naturally, or are there guys that you think are maybe predetermined or you know to maybe be that guy that can be the the leader in the group? I mean, I know Dave has been around a long time, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be like a hey, let's go guy, like much like Pouncey was. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be uh, one of those things where somebody's going to fall into that role. You know, it's not really known right now. You know, it's not one of those things that's just oh, this is for sure him. He's going to be the leader, or something like that. But I think it'll it'll be at least around game two or three, where we'll find out who's really going to be the leader of the O-line, at least. Christopher Carter. 
Kevin, you guys have got to interact with Najee Harris. What's it been like with the offensive line getting to know the running back that they're going to be blocking for for the next several, next several years and just some of the interactions that you guys have had and how you guys have felt just getting to know each other in these first few OTAs? You know, just from just from practice alone, he's, you know, he's he does his drills to his maximum potential. He does what he what he's supposed to do. He's um he does the passing. He, I mean, not the passing, the like the route running, the running um, plays. Like he's hitting where he's supposed to hit. No backside, no cutback. Is it's where he's supposed to be. You know, until he he fully understands the offense. I feel like he'll be good. Mark Caboli. Hey, Kevin, uh, back on that leadership one more time. Um, it seems like uh, Banner has a uh, personality to, to be that type of guy, but he hasn't played a ton. He's only played a handful of snaps. Do you need to have you know, a ton of experience to be a, a leader? And do you see Banner potentially falling into that role? Yeah, I can see him being in that role. Um, he definitely has a big personality. It's just, I think it's something that we could follow, you know, um, yeah, I feel like he, he could fall in that role. His, his personality is, is is to the point I feel like he could be a leader. Joe Rutter. Hey, Kevin, when you went home for the offseason and, you know, as things unfolded, was there anything you wanted to work on? Was there anything they were told, you know, that they wanted to see more from you in the offseason or cup for this coming year? Um, they want to be the... Uh, train more left but that's that's really where I'm where they have me right now so that's pretty much what I did the whole offseason was train for left side just to get a little more comfortable in it because last year when I played it I, I really wasn't too comfortable with it but I feel like I'm way more comfortable now you're getting more and more comfortable now and uh you look pretty comfortable there last year yeah, it really plugged and played in better than I expected early early yeah and, and really his protection was a lot better than I expected. Yeah, too. that was I supposed to be the knock. You know, yeah, he was going to yeah. struggle with that. And you, well, he'll do really good in the run game, but he'll struggle. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the what people are saying about the entire Steelers offensive line. Well, they should be able to run the ball better, but how are they going to be in protection? Right, right. Well, I think. Well, I mean, a lot of it's scheme too. Like, I, I don't think the running scheme, and that's why there's coaching changes, helped the line. And you know, it's one of the reasons I don't like Pro Football Focus because you kind of look at their line. They're all better in protection last year than run blocking. Well, the ball came out super quick too, yeah. you know, and they didn't, and the run scheme didn't help them run block. I think collectively they're better run blockers than those numbers might show. And I don't know if they're better in protection than those numbers show, you know. Right. But I think we that don't needs know. To be to f- figure it out, you yeah. know. But he was he held up well in protection, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good masher. You know, you mentioned that he's a personable, outgoing dude. As he was talking, I'm like, I bet him and Green are going to be buddies. Yeah, you know, like they might be like the Castro and Pouncey. They got that mentality. Year. They yeah, get that right. same mentality. They're going like, to get along well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> play off each other well. Hopefully, for the next ten years. Right. Yeah. Maybe you've solved that issue with with two mid round draft picks. That would be tremendous. third and fourth round draft picks. But that's you know they're not short on talent either. Yeah, you're you know? looking at. I mean. Guard and center, everybody, you know, when you're going into the draft, well, you got to take a center first. Mm-hmm. No. No, you no, don't have to. You don't have to. Those guys are, you know, you can get good players. Everybody forgot that the Steelers drafted Dotson in the fourth round last year. Yeah, absolutely. And really benefited from a good center draft. But that's because the front office realizes, you know. It was a good center draft. <laughs> there's, no, there's no running backs. There's no tight ends. There's good centers. We can wait and be impatient and, 
Kevin Colbert's done this a time or two. You know? Yeah. Don't forget. He also dug up last year Alex Highsmith at the, at the end yeah. of the third round. I remember uh, I kind of raised an eyebrow when they made the pick. I'm like, wow, hmm, a little early. Yeah, just uh, looking, at his, too. looking at his numbers for last year, uh, 48 tackles, two sacks, an interception, six quarterback hits. Hmm. The production, however, in the last five games after he replaced Bud Dupree uh, was 28 tackles, five quarterback hits, and a sack. Yeah, five um, hits. Yeah, right. in five games. I mean, he, he's, you know, and that says a rookie that, again, had no preseason. Had no preseason yeah. coming from a small school, you know, not a, a normal Thought th- Thought it was going to be kind of a, you know, kind of like Dotson. You thought it was going to be kind of a redshirt season for both of them. They're both small school guys. Uh, at this time last year, I had a hard time envisioning a way Dotson would see the field. I mean, they yeah. had a lot of options, and, you know, it just shows how, how things go. Where Highsmith, you hoped, yeah, maybe he turns into a nice three in spot duty, got thrown in the mix and exceeded expectations too. I mean, again, this is a chance to be a pretty good draft class. Yeah, I really think so. So uh, let's hear what Alex Highsmith had to say today with the media. Hey, Alex, uh, a lot of the uh, the prognosticators in the draft process were, were, at least nationally, had the Steelers needing to select an outside linebacker early. Uh, did you take that as, as like, hey, what about me? I'm here. I played last year uh, and played well. How did you how did you look at that whole process? And then the Steelers didn't take an outside linebacker early, uh, obviously showing faith in you. I mean, yeah, when I, I mean, I did see some reports about that. You know, that really just gave me more motivation, you know, just be the best that I can be and just continue to work harder. Um, and so I think that shows that, you know, they, they do have faith in me to be able to come in and, you know, it's just, just a – to earn this spot and earn this role. And so I, I really just say, you know, it just gave me like more motivation, just uh, worked even harder, you know, when I did see those reports coming out. Tim Benz. <clears throat> Alex, a lot of the uh, things we're hearing about you during your time as a starter once Bud went down is that you're smart, you're coachable, you're reliable and steady. What are the aspects of your game that need to improve this year to channel some of those uh benefits of your personality uh, what else needs to grow as a player for you to become the guy that can get sacks and big plays behind the line of scrimmage and, and some of the splash, splash plays needed at that position yeah you know I feel like I can always just continue to work on my mental game you know studying more film and just uh, having the most IQ that I can have um just one thing that came into this offseason you know want to do is just to, to get stronger you know gain a few pounds but really just put on a lot of muscle and so I feel like I've done that and I feel like I've got a lot stronger so just being strong in the run game, being strong in pass rushing, also just polishing my moves, you know, polishing the moves that I have right now. So I felt like, you know, it's been a great offseason so far. You know, I'm ready for uh, people to see all that I've been working on. Or prior. Hey, Alex, first of all, congrats. I think I just saw that you got engaged. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. you mentioned, you know, that you wanted to put on some weight, get stronger. How much did you gain weight-wise or muscle-wise? Is there a way to kind of quantify that, what what you've been doing this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I gained about, you know, five, five, three pounds this offseason, but I feel like it's a, it's a good, um, you know, three pounds. You know, I was around 250 last year. Right now, I'm 253, 254, so I'm trying to – uh, maintain that right now and just be at that, you know, um, going into camp this season. Ray Apollo. Yeah, Alex, how do you handle the expectations of being a starter this year as opposed to last year when you were sort of, you know, thrust into that role after Bud got hurt? Yeah, um, you know, I'm just coming in, you know, with the expectation, you know, just to the mindset to just be the best that I can be, you know, I'm coming in and stepping into this role. And so I'm um, excited and blessed um, to have this opportunity. And so, 
I just know I got to go in and make the most of it. You know, the same thing happened to, to me in college, you know, when I um, didn't end up starting my first couple of years in college, ended up starting, um, you know, took advantage of that opportunity. So I feel like, you know, my opportunity presented to me, you know, I'm always going to take advantage of it. So that's something I've, that I've been working for uh, this all season. I'm just going to continue to work for uh, these last couple months of this all season. So um, it's exciting, you know, I'm ready for the challenge. Joe Rutter. You know, it's what, you know, what exactly did you learn from Bud last year? Were there ways he was able to help you and show you the ropes of being a, you know, outside linebacker? Yeah, Bo, Bo was a great teammate. You know, I'm definitely going to miss him, miss him, miss him being around the locker room. You know, me and him were right next to each other in the locker room. So I'm definitely going to miss having him around. He he taught me a lot, you know, just like I you know, always say in my interviews, you know, I was you know, blessed to be able to uh, learn from the best, best pass rush during the game, you know, with him and TJ. And so um, just learning him, watching his film, you know, just talking about moves with him, you know. Um, he's someone who's polishing his moves, you know, who, who knows how to rush the passes. So that was really um, what I was able to take away from just, you know, this is knowledge, you know, of, of a pass rush. And so I feel like I was able to um, polish more some some more of my moves uh, by learning from him. Will Grace. Alex, uh, kind of building off that, what's your relationship with TJ been like this spring as, as opposed to last spring when, you know, you're, you're drafted, you're virtual, there's no in-person stuff at all? Well, there's not even a lot of communication. I'm just sort of curious, you know, how would you describe your rapport with TJ and in what kind of, what did you guys do, if anything, in the offseason to sort of communicate and try to build a rapport that you have to carry on to the field? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen him yet because he's been he's been training where he's training up, training where I'm training. But, you know, we keep up a lot. You know, well, we've, uh, we've both taken up golf. You know, it's kind of an off-season hobby. And so uh, we talk about that a lot. Um, so that was... That's a, that's pretty cool, you know. I know when he gets back, probably can, uh, try to hit the hit the course sometime. But you know, I'm excited to be able to, um, you know, take the field with him this year. You know, just to uh, be alongside of him, rushing the passer. So it's going to be exciting. Can't wait for it. Jeff Athorn. Alex, you, you mentioned the improvements you want to make. What were the biggest lessons you learned on field uh, that you carry over uh, into this year? Um, the biggest lessons, you know, I'd probably say just to. Um, you know, always, first of all, you know, always, always be ready and always be prepared mentally. Um, you know, that's something I feel like, you know, separates the good from the great in this league, you know, because everyone's talented. Everyone's, everyone's talented to be able to get to the NFL. But, you know, what separates the good from the great um, is the great are the guys who study film and, and the guys who um, you know, what, know what to do mentally. So I'm just going to take that just to another level this year by studying even more and just so that I can be able to recognize formations and um, that helped me just to be able to get up the ball faster. And so that was something I learned, just being able to watch my film. You know, I feel like, um, towards uh, especially the first couple of games, you know, when I came in for Bug, you know, I was, was slowing the ball at times because I was seeing too much. But um, as the game started slowing down for me, you know, I was able to, to process things easier. And so um, I feel like the more rested I get, you know, the slower the game is going to come for me. And so that'll help me just to get off the ball faster, uh, create more pressure, and get more sex. Jenna Harden. Alex, kind of along those lines too, just what advice now that you've gone through this one time, granted, this is a different OTAs than this year. Um, what advice are you kind of giving to some of the new guys here, if any? Yeah, just, you know, just come in and, you know, just, uh, just I work everyone, just make the most of your opportunity. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, want to be in the position that we're in in the NFL. You know, we're blessed to be able to play the game that we love for a living and do it for a living. And so and I just actually was on a Zoom call with them last week. And so, talking to the, uh, the rookies and the new guys. And so I was told them coming to make the most of your, of your opportunity, you know, um, you know, the average, I think the average, you know, career, career span in the NFL is like two or three years. So you got to, when you, when you get this opportunity, you know, you got to make the most of it. So that's, that's the main thing I'm just grateful to and just make the most of your opportunity, just coming in work and um, 
just try to, try to eliminate distractions, you know, because that's what, that's what hurt guys who, um, you know, who have talent, who make it in this league, you know, the ones who, um, you know, have the talent, the ones who are really good, they don't make it um, because they, it's just some, it's probably some off-the-field distractions and stuff like that. So I'd say eliminating that stuff and just coming in and just, you know, focusing, you know, on, on the task at hand, you know, the task at hand is to uh, win another Super Bowl here. That was Alex Highsmith, and as you heard, uh, very motivated, serious kind of young yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. Well-spoken, too. Yeah. Has a plan. Has Definitely has a plan. You heard him talk about how he wants to work on his get-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the quarterback hits that he had last year, and, and and that's the one thing I would say about him is that there were a lot of times where he was close to the quarterback. He just didn't yeah. get there. Did, yeah. Just didn't quite get there. Sure. Um, you know, I, he, he said he wants to study – uh, do more film study this year to learn formations a little bit better and, and have a better idea of what the offense is trying to do. If he can do that, maybe that gives him that extra half step that he needs to beat the offensive tackle to his spot. Um, it's a good point. You know, I mean, it, it took Bud a while yeah. you know, to do those type of things. TJ was really quick with it. Um, I thought one of his, not weaknesses, but I, I thought getting stronger was something he really needed to do the day they drafted him. Yeah. But I didn't see strength as a problem for him. I didn't either. He's not super quick twitch off the snap, yeah. and I think you can work on that a little bit because he is athletic. But I, I really think, to your point, learning what the offense is trying to accomplish pre-snap goes a really long way. You always think about that like with Ray Lewis and linebackers, but those edge guys too. I mean, if they're going to fan protection this direction for this reason, I can maybe use an inside move here. or You know yeah. I mean? Different things like that. Yeah, and... Hey, he's going to see a lot of one-on-one blocks. Of course. I mean, course. you know, that's just the reality of it. He talked about watching the game against the Colts last year, and, you know, they were chipping both he and T.J. Watt. Well, the reason for that was they had, if you remember, uh, their left tackle was out in that game. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah, he got he got some extra attention, but, you know, a lot of the attention, of course, is going to be on T.J. Watt because, question. you know, he's, he's, he's the, the guy. He's the best in the business, if yeah. not number one. Um, yeah, and and Bud benefited from that as well. Uh, and Bud was a handful one-on-one. Well, that's what made the Steelers' defense so good when they had both Bud mm-hmm. and TJ at, at full power. You could probably chip one of those two or, or help with one of those two. You can't help with both it's of them. It's awful difficult with both. Yeah, yeah you're, it, you're Without right. having a three-man, you know, routes or three guys right, out. Right, right, keeping know, a back end, a tight yeah. end, and, and then you become pretty easy to defend and – no, they they cause problems up front, and starts with Hayward and Tuit, and I'm really happy Alou-Alou's coming back as well. I, I have hope for Rache to have kind of a similar rookie season to Highsmith, yeah. to be honest with you. Maybe he progresses as the season goes on, too, and spells these guys. But I, I expect a big step forward from Highsmith this year. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is year two. He didn't mm-hmm. have OTAs last year. None of these right, guys right. did. He didn't have any of this stuff. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you would expect them to be more uh, ready, more prepared for what they're going to – and they've, they they both played. You know, you t- we talked about the guys who didn't have preseasons last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how much Just they the were – Yeah, you know, how right. much they were behind the eight ball. Um, these guys, you know, Dotson and Highsmith actually kind of got – they got their feet wet last year. Yeah, more than probably was originally planned, yeah. as we mentioned earlier in the show. And you wonder, I'm just kind of scanning the draft class in my head, too. I think McFarland could really benefit from OTAs, a lot of work in preseason. I know he's not the one. Great. I mean, there's not much yeah. pressure on him. It's, I don't know. You, you, never, you didn't draft him to be a one ever. No, right, right, right. He's, a, he's, he's not a Steeler style He's a chess piece. Yeah. He's a chess piece. I expect him to take a noticeable step forward. 
I, I like the pick when they made it. I think he's got an awful lot of talent. You know, I, I, obviously Harris is going to be the guy. Yeah. But if they if you can sp- if you can sprinkle in five carries of uh, with with McFarland in mm-hmm. with that, you know, if, if he gets what is that, uh, eighty five carries over the course of the season. Right. Right. I mean, if okay. he can be the true number two. Because he may break two or three ball, of those. He might break two or three of them, right. Develop as a receiver, uh, become reliable in protection. That could be a heck of a one-two punch for you know the extent of both their rookie contracts. Because they're completely different runners. They absolutely are. But they both don't have to leave the field in any yeah. you know, situation. And, again, I think Harris is going to be the one. But uh, the rest of the backfield I don't have a lot of hope for. But I do for McFarland from that. Yeah, uh, no, I do as well. And yeah. I, that's why, the, you know, if, if – they made some other changes, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Harrison and McFarland are the guys that are going to be on this team. Yeah, right. for sure. They're they're locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it, we'll see. I, I bet he, he. I would be shocked if McFarland doesn't gain the hearts of Steeler Nation in the preseason. Yeah, you know that he looks good. In That's that the thing with running you know, running backs. Um, while it is a, a position that, that um, you know. It's easy to pick up at the NFL level because it's not mm-hmm. it's really you're just running to the open, you know, open hole. You set up blockers and things. Yeah. And there's more nuance than people think. But you're right. I mean, history is shown. You either can or you can can't come in and yeah. do well. Uh, but without a preseason last year, you, you know, he just had no idea about protection. He's not the biggest back. How do you trust him? He could. Yeah, he it's couldn't. It's all about trust. I yeah. mean, it, that, that was true with Jonathan Taylor and Acres and Dobbins and all these guys. How do you trust them? I, I think he's good. You know, he's smart enough, and he does the right thing in protection on the whiteboard. But I've never seen him do it in a game. Yeah, I can't just hope he picks up the blitz and Philip Rivers gets out of the way. And no, even last year in in camp, they did one day of backs on backers. Right, and and, and I can remember even before that, I'm, I'm sitting in the stands computer at Heinz Field, and they're going over which hole or where, where to step for protection on certain plays with the running backs, and they're walking through it, and I'm like. And they had to stop and, you know, talk about it with McFarland a little bit. I'm very, I'm, I'm fairly certain, much like Jalen Samuels a couple of mm-hmm. years ago when we, when we talked to him at, at OTAs uh, and we asked him if he'd ever done any protection in, in college, I'm pretty sure the, the, the answer for Anthony and McFarland would have been no as well. Uh, and they're always the best player on their team, especially at the high school level. If you're going to throw the ball, you want that guy at least yeah. as a dump-off option. And, and backs and backers is a wonderful drill. We all love it. The fans love it. and But you know who you're blocking. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you can see if you can physically you stand can, up. You can still get R-U-N-N-O-F-T the field. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could go really bad. But in a game against the Ravens, does that guy know who to block, let alone if he can do it? Back yeah. and back or show me if he can do it. When they've got this six, six guys and overloading the right side, mm-hmm. And four of those drop out at the last second, and, and the the extra the extra guy comes from the left. Right, right. You know, are you Can picking you that up? Step across Ben's face and pick him up if you're on the right sidecar or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's there's a mentality to it, and then there's not always a cheat sheet. Ben can't always lean to you and be like, "You got 52." You know, yeah. Because things are happening quick. I mean, he's calling out audibles and whatnot too. He's got to think about the logistics of getting that play in the right guy's ear. He just needs to know. Yeah. And we'll see. I would expect McFarland. There's no excuses for McFarland not to this year. Yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this draft. I mean, you get three starters right now out of this out of the yeah. 2020 draft class. That's an above average draft. And Minka would make it four. Minka I mean, that's makes it a first four. round pick, yeah. right? I mean, without uh, a first round pick, that's right, a, that's, that's the a amazing key. thing. Um, that's an above average draft class. You look at a draft class, you'd like to get two starters out of a draft class. Mm-hmm. If you get three, that's above average. If you get four, 
starters out of a draft class. Yeah. That's excellent. It's excellent. Uh, and maybe they can get five contributors. You yeah. Know? I mean, three stars. Let alone, you know, one of them is Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a star. Who's a star. Who's a star. Another, another one is Chase Claypool, who's a potential star. He's a potential star. I don't see him um, leaving the field too often this year yeah. either, you know. I mean, even if a guy like Brooks can Be last your top the, backup safety. Or, right, yeah. right. If he can last the four years of his rookie contract and you're happy he's on the team and maybe he moves on or whatever and spot starts here and there – that's cheap labor. I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of it. Is we were talking a couple segments ago. Boy, the Steelers are loaded with cap space coming up here after the season. Well, you wouldn't be if you were in the Patriots situation and, and you had to buy well. a bunch of right. You got to fill in your holes that you created because your draft picks don't hit. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. That's the beauty of the, of the, the draft. But uh, good to talk to those uh, two young Absolutely. men uh, here opening as the Steelers open up training camp. We'll see. Uh, we'll play back some more. Guys that we get to talk to here over the the next uh, be more the next of couple of weeks, forward, yeah, yeah, a lot more of that moving forward. But uh, that is going to do it for this show. So for my partner Matt Williamson, for Jacob Brecht here on site, keeping us on the air and playing back those interviews, I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. <laughs>